This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Now you can keep up with me and all my shenanigans on Instagram and Facebook. I'm at Fog City Psychic over there. I post about what's coming up on the radio show. I share links to episodes and little snippets that I find interesting. And you can also see what I'm slowly knitting and maybe even what jigsaw puzzles captured my attention at the moment. All of that's on social media. I'm at Fog City Psychic. Now then, are you highly sensitive, empathetic, empathic? Are you an empath? Well, accepting and embodying your empathic nature is an intentional path toward balance and belonging to yourself. That's what today's guest, Signe Myers Hovum, says. She believes that empathic receptivity is not a gift or a power, but an ability that lets us live in extended communication with nature and humanity. Are you ready to meet her? Signe Myers Hovum has created homes on five continents over 20 years, raised four uniquely sensitive children, pursued a special education lawsuit that was appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, volunteered in a hospice in Texas and an orphanage in Azerbaijan, worked as a spiritual counselor in Houston, Texas, and taught workshops and trainings on the art of being an empath and the power of language in many countries around the world. She divides her time between Boulder, Colorado, and Oslo, Norway. Her new book is The Space in Between, An Empath's Field Guide. And you can find out more about Signe and her work at smhovum.com. Signe, welcome to Out of the Fog. Well, thank you for having me, Karen. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, you say that no one is born an empath. What do you mean? Well, from my experience, there's an evolutionary arc from being an overly sensitive person who tries to survive in their environment by feeling separate to that of being an engaged and functional empath who then witnesses what's out of balance and honors that connection. And so this evolutionary arc that I'm referring to really allows the spectrum of you awakening to the fact that, you know, you are sensitive and empathic, meaning that you receive information from your environment. Um, you know, and that's a very passive state. So if we look at senses in general, you know, we can sit in a room and we can smell and we can see and we could hear, and it all comes to us in a one-way channel. Our intuitive um, reception reception is the same way um but to go from being passive to feeling something 
to being active and engaging and interacting with the impressions. Um, that is more of the realm of an empath that requires, um, you know, skills and abilities and life experience, uh, and also knowing your own stuff because you can identify what is yours and what is something that's coming from outside of your energy fields. So it's kind of trendy, I think. And, and especially now you were talking about picking up information from the environment. Gosh, the environment's chaotic, maybe more so than it was a few years ago. And it's kind of trendy for people to say, I'm in this whirlwind. I don't know what to do. I'm suffering all this pain. And it's because I'm an empath. You said a quote, and I highlighted this in yellow <laughs> in the book. Um, you've said, here is my message for people who are in a perpetual cycle of emotional suffering and instability due to being an empath. And then in all capital letters, you may not be an empath. So what is the connection between that whirlwind and that drama and that feeling constantly kind of under siege and what it actually means to be an empath? Yeah. And I will add to that sentence that you just read. I also said, yet, <laughs> you may not be an empath yet. <laughs> um, you know, because I, I'm not, I'm not wanting to limit anyone and their potential and um, their authentic self. But I do want to um, have everyone kind of just like take a pause and say, okay, if I'm identifying as an empath, one, where did I learn the term? What do I think it means? How does it apply to me? And, you know, and really start to understand um, what is an empath because the environment responds. You know, we know if you what you focus on, you draw to you. And language is one of the couriers. And so identifying yourself as an empath without fully understanding what that means. Um, that's kind of on you because the environment's still going to respond to you, you announcing or admitting that you are an empath. And, you know, the essence and the purpose of an empath is to balance um, things that are out of balance. And energetically, usually what we pick up is something that is out of balance. And so the whirlwind can actually get quite intense because um, there's energy waiting for your attention <laughs> and you, you're not recognizing that you've actually called it to you. And so that's why I feel it's important that, you know, the energy and the environment will respond as well. If you say, I need a timeout, I need to kind of go within, I need to understand more of my skills and abilities and my own sense of balance. The, and the, the environment will respond with respect typically, and um, that, that is why I feel right now, you know, I've heard many people say, oh, so-and-so told me I'm an empath. And then they just adopt the label without taking any sort of an investigation into what they've just aligned themselves to or what service they've aligned themselves to. Well, and it often can be, that word can be used to kind of, means something negative. I'm overwhelmed. I can't function. I don't know which feelings are my own. I carry everybody else's stuff. And yet, at least as, as I see it, the empaths are the people, as you said, who help bring things into balance, but we're the people who can really start to kind of open up pathways of compassion 
of change of growth. But when the focus is all on the negative stuff, it gets all kind of twisted and weird. Yeah. And there seems to also be, um, what I've noticed in forums, um, a lot of discussion between the narcissist and the empath, Mm -hmm. uh, dynamic and, and which can be quite negative. And, um, you know, I say, you know, no one's born an empath, but I also say, if you identify as an empath, you're on a spiritual path and your this authentic part of you is, um, really bringing you to go inward. And, you know, it's one of those paradoxes that, you know, you go, you expand by going inward. Um, you, you learn about yourself, you learn about your life experiences, what it has taught you, how it has given you empathy, um, because it's through our life experiences that really we develop empathy, um, initially. And so moving empathy in towards compassion is also, um, kind of the spiritual maturity of a, you know, a functional empath and compassion, you know, it, it's, it's a wonderful uh, place to meet people with is, you know, through compassion, but it's also a bit of a neutral channel and that might sound odd, but if you are truly holding compassion, you're not judging. And even with empathy and sympathy, you know, you can get lower vibrations in there such as pity or shame or you know you can empathize too much all of that is not in balance but when you come to compassion which is in that neutral um the space in between which is what my book is called right right and there's it takes i think it takes also a kind of spiritual maturity to not be afraid to look at yourself and also to not be afraid to set limits. What I would say would be to set limits with spirit, right? As you said, I need a timeout right now or enough of that and no more or never again, please, or more of that, please. It does take that willingness to focus on something in a, in a positive way, in a kind of a generative way, instead of on the fear-based uh, stuff. Right. You know, because if, if the fear is there, you're not in balance. And I mean, fear can be a great teacher. And, you know, that's why, you know, this going inward, the self-awareness, um, the self-discovery and being curious, why did I react to that? Um, you know, what was it in that person's tone um, made me feel this way. You know, it's, it's a very curious nature, um, really at the heart of an empath. You know, I, I just wrote an article recently where part of my subtitle was the arts and sciences, because, you know, an embodied functional empath is like a scientist doing field work, being open minded, um, not assuming that, you know, you know exactly what you're feeling. You're allowing it discovery, but it's also like being a poet that intuiting and that uh, feeling aspect that you can have almost a visceral feeling from having read a poem where something is inferred and not necessarily named. And, you know, so this, this is the, the wonderful uh, part of being an empath and accepting um 
all of that rather than being overwhelmed and full of fear. And, um, and part of the fear I have to say in my book, I talk about cultural authorities and how mainstream, you know, has kind of placed anything that you cannot see, but you feel as, you know, nearly paranormal and um, something beyond the veil and mystic, you know, kind of mysterious. And my book is really written to demystify quite a bit of this and really um, invite people to start looking at themselves as energy beings, because, you know, we are both physical and energy. And the more we can like unify that and integrate the idea that our consciousness is embodied, um, we no longer kind of do the flip-flop of um, separation. You're listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Signe Myers-Hovum. Her new book is The Space in Between, an empath's field guide. And you can find out more about Signe and her work at smhovum.com. That's S-M-H-O-V-E-M.com, smhovum.com. So Signe, do people who identify as empaths need different kinds of boundaries or an like an extra set of boundaries than everybody else does? Yes. I, I in my book, I talk about uh, an impasse true brown boundary is asking, is this mine? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, cause um, there's also a tendency that, you know, when you, you accept that you feel and receive information um, from the environment you know, maybe it's somebody, you know, maybe it's someone you don't know, you know, but there's also, there's a period of time where you kind of feel like you want to rescue everyone. And so I think the irony is a lot of times um, empathic sensitive people will talk about the need for boundaries um, as if everyone else is encroaching on theirs, but there, there is a sense that an empathic person also needs to understand Um, Just because you can feel something from someone else doesn't really give you the right to overstep a boundary and, um, you know, approach them on that. And so, you know, there needs to be kind of ethics and the boundary. But for an empathic person, what I've discovered is that and how I kind of dropped all my fear and really began to embrace my empathic receptivity is that I... I discovered that there's almost like a bladder, an energetic uh, bladder, and that's kind of a strange way to say it, but say um, a suitcase that has one of those zippers that allows you to extend by a few inches so you can get a little bit more in your suitcase. Well, an empathic person, when they pick something up from the environment, the energy fields actually expand like a sponge because, you know, we are called spongy people. And this is kind of that sponge mechanism and it expands and it holds the information at this point. And it's up to us then to kind of say, Hey, I picked something up. Um, What is that? And discern, you know, what, what needs to be done with it. It's not coming into your personal space. It may feel that way because the energetic realm and the physical realm um, energy is a little bit different. So you can feel something and yet it's actually, you're just feeling what's at the edge of your um, energy fields. And so a lot of people, I think because they don't understand the mechanism 
of what an empathic feature does, um, they, they go to fear because it feels like, oh, this thing I'm feeling is inside me. What, you know, something um, has, it, you know, attached itself. When in fact, it's just on the outside of your energy field waiting for you to discern what is this. And you could also be saying, is this mine? And is this mine offers um, varied exploration. One, is it mine? Meaning, is this something really similar to what I'm going through personally? Is it, you know, is it, is this mine in that I'm just really noticing for the first time that I've got this um, out of balance reaction to something or is it something in the environment that's kind of piggybacked onto this because you know that's really kind of my issue yeah. or is it mine in that i should witness it and witnessing doesn't mean you're going to process it for anyone it means you're going to name it feel it to a point that you can name it and offer it um compassion I'm th- I love that image of the of the expandy part of the suitcase with the zipper that you can just let it out a little bit like an elastic waistband, just a little bit. But that's not an infinite space. And I'm wondering what tools you can share with the listeners so that when we realize that thing at the outside edge of our energy field and we want to clear it, okay, I'm, I'm done with this, I've processed it, I know it's not mine, that's that guy I sat next to on the bus, or that's my mother-in-law's anxiety, okay, I know what this is, how can we release it so that we can clear space to receive more good stuff? Well, it, it's, um, I, I love that you asked this, because again, I go back to the sponge that, you know, if you saturate a sponge, you know, you waterlog it, it no longer functions anymore as a sponge. It just drips water. And, um, but, you know, if you wring it out, um, you know, and you get that excess water out, you know, it, it comes back to its natural form and, and function as a sponge. So likewise for us, just our awareness that I've picked something up, I've, I've named it, I've kind of given it form. I, it's my mother's in-law's anxiety. I'm going to acknowledge, you know, energetically that this is my mother-in-law. I'm going to witness it and send her compassion. And, you know, I tighten up my muscles and do a big breath and then I let it go. Mm. I use a lot of imagery, um, but tightening your muscles and letting go is a way to reset it. But I also imagine um, honey being dripped over me and, you know, kind of pulling back the, the wax or honey and just whatever residue is in that space kind of gets cleared off. Um, I use a lot of, uh, being under a waterfall, but if I, you know, my go-to thing is usually like if I'm in the car and I pick up something, it's very easy to continue to drive and yet tighten all your muscles and do a big breath. And in your, you know, and you're also um, invoking that imagery that it's clear and it's restored. And it's empowering because as you work with this, as you practice, as you do the exercises in the book and, and read through what Signe's presenting here, you can choose your own images as you come to know yourself and your own path and how your own receptivity works. 
there's an opportunity here for you to choose like honey might work for you, but not for me. There's an opportunity to choose what's best for you. And, and just for me, um, it, it helps me have more understanding of my own intuitive nature or empathic nature. When I realize that I can adjust it to Mm. suit myself, I don't have to be anybody else's kind of empath or anybody else's kind of intuitive. I can use those images and take those tools and, and adjust them until they're my own. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. And and that's why I purposely named my book, a field guide. Um, I, if anything, I want to help people identify where they've lost their own authority. And, you know, part of a guide is I'm just showing you things that have worked for me or I've seen work for others. And then I give a list of questions for self-discovery, but at no point am I um, telling people that, you know, they must do it my way. I, I want them to be curious. Um, the, the motto I use in the front of the book is, um, you know, it's by a Greek poet Pindar. It's, um, I'm like, like, know who you are and be such. And I really want everyone to know who they are and be such. And if you are empathic, you know, if you have that intuitive um, conversation that's expanded into the environment and into the energetic realms with your subtle bodies, um, you know, go explore that, you know, cause we didn't come with a manual, <laughs> you know, we, we all arrive here and we kind of have to do independent study. Um, if you want to find your own authentic self. What practices do you use to nourish your spiritual self, to keep yourself in, in balance and off balance empath is a, is a wild thing. So how do you, for yourself, stay balanced? I, um, I belong to a meditation group that's from their, their base is Perth, Australia. I lived in Perth for four years and, um, it's Melanie Ryan Institute of Applied Consciousness. Um, she does energy medicine teachings, but in addition or under her umbrella, she has, uh, developed, a a meditation practice called Mahat and um, it's moving energy. So, you know, it's not the still, you you get to stillness, but a lot of it is working energy through the energy systems um, in a very, you know, sequenced way, you know, because just like your physical body needs exercise and, you know, you need to maintain it. Your energy bodies also um, benefit from, you know, doing workouts and, um, just bringing attention to them. So I do at least once a day, um, a meditation on my own. And then twice a month, we all get together over zoom and they're all over the, you know, there are people all over the world, but so if anyone's interested in checking that out, it's, um, uh, M-R-I-A-C.com, um, dot A-U, because uh, it's out of Australia. But, you know, I am a big nature walker. I, whether I'm here in Colorado or I'm in Norway, I really need to be connected to nature. And it, um, it, it just restores me. It revives me. It, um, it makes me feel 
still. And the reason why I have found nature helps so much is because nature is probably the most authentic thing in our world. You know, nature knows itself. Mm. And um, when somebody knows themselves and you're in their presence, um, you can feel it. There's a magnetic presence. And that is what nature models for me. I'm, I'm noticing for myself, I went through a long time of not being outside a lot because I had some physical stuff going on. And now that I'm healing and walking outside, I see little details in nature, beauty that I might not have never noticed if I hadn't had that time of being away. Mm -hmm. And so if people are, I would just say from my own experience, if, if people are wondering about how to start, um, if you feel like you're starting from nothing, go ahead and start. See what you notice on that nature walk or in meditation or in prayer or in whatever practices. Go ahead and start because sometimes having that beginning beginner's focus helps you see a lot more. So don't let thinking that you're just at the beginning, don't let that stop you. In fact, that makes it more fun. No, exactly. And it's being in that, you know, um, like that beginner's mind, as you said, it's also, you know, writing, journaling, uh, um, automatic writing um, early on in my path that really brought me a lot of wisdom and um, insight. And I often, you know, um, offer as a recommendation to people who are journaling that if you bless your journal, you bring it into service. Um, energetically, I see when you bless something, it actually puts it into service. Mm. So when you bless your food, when you bless your house, when you bless your journal, you are lifting it up. And so for a journal, it, a blessed journal, you know, where you either inscribe it with an intention or a prayer, you're moving it away from a monologue and into a dialogue. And when you can hear yourself, that's for my for myself and when I've worked with clients, when they can hear themselves, that is when real healing begins. Sydney, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Karen. It was my pleasure. That's Signe Myers Hovum. Now her new book is The Space in Between, an empath's field guide. And you can find out much more at uh, Signe's website, which is S M hovem.com that's s m h o v e m.com and you're always welcome over at karenhager.com that's where you can check out upcoming classes and events you can even book a private session with me there if you're so inclined and on social media my shenanigans are found on instagram and facebook at fog city psychic and thank you for listening today together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of the new equation. 
Learn more at thenewequation.com.